Amen. Well, it is good to worship uh, with you all today. This past week, uh, I had another great worshipful experience on my personal spiritual retreat. Last year, if you remember, I went on my first ever uh, personal spiritual retreat uh, where I just get away from the world and uh, I focus in on God. And it went so great last year uh, that, I, that I decided to do it again this year, and uh, I plan on doing it continually in the years uh, to come as well. And so I just want to take uh, a couple minutes this morning and share with you all uh, my experience on my personal uh, spiritual retreat uh, to serve as a testimony of the benefits of such a retreat, if any of you guys uh, may be interested, as, as the benefits are, are uh, extreme. They, they're, they're tremendous benefits that I experience in getting away from the world, uh, getting away from uh, communicating with the world, and focus on communicating uh, with my heavenly Father, God. And so some of you guys may wonder, you know, what exactly uh, does that look like? And it, and it could look different for everybody, but I want to let you guys know what it looks like for me when I go on uh, my personal uh, spiritual retreat. So the purpose of the retreat, again, is to get away from the world and focus in on God. And so I left uh, around noon on Tuesday. Uh, long story short, I didn't get settled down at my campsite until around 7 p.m., Tuesday, uh, just about nothing uh, went right before then. I had to make multiple trips to multiple stores. I was uh, locked out of church to pick up a few things on my way out. Uh, turned out I didn't even know which campground I was staying at. I went to the wrong one. Didn't have my phone or anything to check, so I had to go to a public library uh, to check, you know, where I'm staying. That's probably pretty good information to have. And so I tried to log into my Gmail. Gmail's like, hey, you got to verify it to you. We're going to send you a message on your phone. I'm like, great. I don't have my phone. don't have any way to communicate with Jamie that I need her to verify my phone. So I'm looking on uh, Google, you know, trying to find where I'm staying. But lo and behold, I finally do. Um, and so I get uh, to uh, the campground uh, at around around 6 p.m., 6.30. Um, takes about a half hour uh, to get me all situated. The campground had about uh, 250 campsites. About 50 uh, were about a mile away from the rest uh, next to the camp office. Um, the rest of the 200 campsites, uh, I was the only one there. Yeah, uh, let me tell you, uh, that, that was a bit of an eerie feeling. Uh, the first night, I was pretty spooked uh, being there all alone, especially since last year on my way out. I went to the same area, Hocking Hills area. Uh, last year, I do trails two days, and on my way out, I see uh, you know information about the trails. I see, oh, hey, there, there's bears in the trail and bobcats and such. And if you know me, I don't do predatory animals. Uh, I, I'm a big chicken uh, when it comes to that. Um, so during that night, uh, I was spooked out. But during that night, I read a couple passages talking about why be afraid. God is with us, talking about God being uh, my rear guard. And, and that was so comforting. Again, I feel like God was directly communicating to me through his word, just like I experienced a year ago when I went on uh, my personal, when my first personal spiritual uh, retreat. As God speaks to us uh, through his word, is truly alive and well. So that was Tuesday. Pretty much, I had not planned for it, but pretty much I was getting myself situated since it took a long process. Things weren't going the way I had envisioned. Uh, but then on Wednesday morning, woke up, spent a little bit of time at the campsite, and then I headed off for the trails in the morning at Hocking Hills. Has anybody been to the Hocking Hills area? 
Yeah, they have a handful of different trails that you can check out, and they are absolutely gorgeous, uh, gorgeous, uh, enjoying God's creation. And so there's a number of different trails that you can take. I ended up hiking uh, about eight miles on Wednesday. And during this hike, uh, the hike pretty much took uh, the bulk of Wednesday. During this hike, I take frequent stops uh, to pray, to read uh, my Bible, and to journal. I'm not a big journaler. Does anybody journal on a frequent basis? Uh, that, that is awesome. Uh, I, I wish I was more of a journaler because I get so many benefits when I journal on my retreats. I should probably do it more often uh, than just on my retreats. But I journal along the way as well. Very beneficial. Um, those are really the three main activities that I do on my spiritual retreats. I pray, I uh, read my Bible, and last year and this year I took uh, another book as well. And so I read that book as well. And then uh, I spend time journaling as well. And so Wednesday night, I got back just before uh, the sunset. And on the trail Wednesday, I spoke to uh, an older gentleman who lives in the area. And uh, we got talking. Um, and he was talking about how he's never even seen uh, bears in the area. And so I felt that comforting to me. When I got back, I noticed that there were uh, two sets of people camping uh, that day while I was gone. So like 200 sites. There's three of us. I was the only one the day prior. And now there's two other people. But one of them was in the site right next to me. And and I found that uh, comforting for me as well, being a big scaredy cat uh, of these predatory animals. Uh, But I felt God uh, directed both of these things taking place. I sincerely believe he was blessing me and my quest of drawing closer to him. I really felt that very strong uh, on my retreat um, as I was much more at ease um, after I read those couple passages on Wednesday, just going through my devotions, and then on Thursday as well as two instances, God was calming me down because uh, we, can't, we can't really seek God when we are in a state of fear. I don't know if you guys have ever been scared, but, but when you're scared, you, you, you can't really have that same sort of access uh, to God than when you are at ease. And so then uh, Thursday uh, rolls along, and I plan uh, to hit the trails in the morning again. Uh, but, but I decided I just needed to slow down. Uh, I was kind of uh, going at a faster pace than I would like at a time where I just needed to slow down and focus in on God. I was focusing in on God the, the whole uh, retreat, uh, but I was wanting to go to these different trails and, and do all sorts of different things. Uh, but I decided I just need to slow down. And so I spent uh, a good bit of time uh, Thursday morning and afternoon at the campsite. And then later in the day, I visited uh, the waterfalls again. And then I left uh, early Friday morning. And overall, it was uh, another great experience that I had. I truly feel closer to God by the retreat's end. Um, There were a couple of lessons uh, that I focused on during my retreat. Number one, uh, that I I need to seek God in the small moments throughout the day. You know those moments where you're stopped at a traffic light, you're stopped uh, waiting in line at the grocery store, uh, you got a commercial break, whatever it may be. We have so many small moments in our life. And if you're anything like me, I don't have with me, but I pull out my phone in those small moments. Anybody else like me? Anybody getting confess and be honest uh, this morning? I do that all the time. And pretty much most of my small moments, I just pull out my phone and start scrolling, consuming the material on my phone. But, but I need to do a better job in seeking God in those small 
moments. Another big thing, a lesson that went through my mind throughout uh, the week is I need to live in the moment and not hurriedly look ahead. Uh, I'm notorious when my family uh, comes over. Uh, I share with you all before that, that I love to entertain them, make sure they're having a good time and, I, and we'll be sitting there enjoying our time, really having a sincerely enjoyful time and asking, what are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? What are we going to do next? I want to make sure that everything is taken care of. I'm not living in the moment and I'm hurriedly looking ahead to the next thing. And I do that all of the stinking time. I'm constantly looking ahead, constantly thinking about what's going to be next, what we're going to do next, but I need to live in the moment. And both of these lessons that I focus on uh, throughout the retreat, uh, they're correlated uh, with the book, Other Than the Bible, uh, that I brought along on this retreat called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. How many of you guys have heard of this book? Just a couple. Has anybody read this book? Perfect, perfect, perfect. So uh, I first had uh, this book recommended to me a couple months ago uh, by Cheryl Dickerson. Uh, so Cheryl, if you're watching, I know she uh, frequently does. Thank you for recommending uh, me this book. Uh, it's currently uh, the number one bestseller in Christian faith books on Amazon. It's written by John Mark Comer, a pastor out in Portland. And let me tell you, it has been a phenomenal read. It is so applicable to me and very, very applicable to the average Christian in America. This book was so good. It was so influential in me and my pursuit of drawing closer to God that I thought it'd be beneficial for us to do a six-week series revolved around the book. And so we're, I had planned near the beginning of the year, kind of try to get a general idea of what we're going to talk about uh, throughout the year. And I had planned this Labor Day weekend after my spiritual retreat to, to talk about the issue of being over busy. And so it's the same exact topic that, we, that I plan to talk about, but instead we're, we're expanding that to a six-week series, as I think this is a, a very prevalent issue in the church in America. I know it is a very prevalent issue in my own personal life, and uh, I know you all uh, pretty well, and I'd say it's a prevalent issue in a lot of our lives as well. This idea of being over busy, this idea of constantly being in a state of hurry. And so uh, I ordered uh, seven copies of this book. I didn't know we were going to use this book until I went on my retreat. And of course, I didn't have access to the internet, so I couldn't order them. So the books aren't here yet, but I ordered seven. Uh, for anybody who's interested, they'll be coming in tomorrow. Uh, but next Sunday, you can grab a copy if you would like. If this is something that you think applies uh, directly to you, I'd strongly, strongly encourage you uh, to give this book a read. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about. I know it's, it can be a bit uh, unconventional in a church setting, in a sermon setting, uh, to, to go through a book. Um, some of you guys may, may, may be think I'm a doofus uh, for doing this, um, but I want to remind uh, myself and all of us, kind of the purpose uh, uh, of these messages, of these sermons, is that we are trying to, to share words that help us apply Words apply to our life to help us grow closer to God and to follow his example and his son, Christ Jesus. And any material that we can find out there, any resources that God has blessed us with to help us do that, we're going to use that uh, in, in a church setting. So we're going to be uh, really uh, closely working, closely associated uh, with this book, uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry uh, by uh, John Mark Comer, uh, a pastor out in the Portland area. 
And so when we talk about uh, living in an over-busy society, Western civilization, uh, we have taken that on in full force. The notion of living a busy life. We simply do more and are busier than we used to be. We have more capabilities now than we used to. Less than 150 years ago, when the sun set, you know what people typically did when the sun set? They went to bed. Yeah. Uh, now, in our current day and age, when, when the sun sets, what do we typically uh, delay? Going to bed because we have more capabilities. Because in the year 1879, this genius, Thomas Edison, he invented the light bulb. And before he invented the light bulb, anybody have any idea how much sleep the average person got? Any guesses? 10 hours? That's, that's a good, uh, right in between there. 11 hours. The average person got 11 hours of sleep before Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Raise your hand if you get 11 hours of sleep a night. Yeah, some of us, uh, there we go. Some of us may not even get half uh, of 11 hours per night. The average American, we get seven hours of sleep. And we wonder, why in the world are we constantly tired and exhausted? Hmm, that doesn't take a whole lot of thought there. Uh, but in uh, the past 15 years, we have been introduced to a radical invention that, that, that changed many of our lives dramatically here. Does anybody know what that invention is? The iPhone, yes, the, the smartphone. Uh, we can connect with the world whenever we want. All we have to do is pull the phone out of our pocket and click a couple of buttons. Did you know that the average iPhone user touches their phone 2,617 times a day? That is incredible. That makes me sick to think about the average person touching their phone 2,617 times a day because it is an incredibly powerful resource, a powerful resource that can be used for a lot of good and also can be used for a lot of bad. And so just in talking about comparing ourselves to the past 15, 20, 100 years, we have so many more options compared to than what we used to have. We have way many more entertainment options. We have way more job opportunities than we used to. We simply have more ways to spend our times than we used to. And the average American is taking full advantage of these many different capabilities that we now have in the 21st century. We look around, and the typical person in America is doing too much, whether it be working too much, playing too much, whatever, you name it. We, we are doing too much in our time. We have too much on our plates, which is causing us to live in a hurried state. And our society frequently tells us that slow is bad and fast is good. You know, the, the, this instant access to fast food, this instant access to the next episode uh, on Netflix, whatever it may be, fast is good. We like fast. We've been trained more and more and more to, to appreciate fast things in our life, and more and more are we taught that slow is bad. The more we can fit into our life, the better. But this over-busy, hurried lifestyle, it is extremely toxic. And we're going to talk about how it is extremely 
toxic here this morning. But before we, we uh, take a deeper dive into that, I just want one disclaimer. It's important for us to consider that there is a healthy kind of busyness where your life is full of things that matter. You know, when we take a look at the, the life and ministry of Jesus, Jesus was busy. He was busy in his life and his ministry. But his life was full of things that mattered, full of things that had eternal consequences. The problem isn't when we have a lot to do. The problem is that when we have too much to do, and the only way to keep quota is to hurry. That's when we have a big problem. I see this problem evident in the lives of many Americans. I see this very evident in my own life. Confess to you guys this morning, be very transparent with you all this morning. And I see this problem evident in, in, in many of our lives here as well. We, we are putting too much onto our plate. Now, some of you guys may be asking, why is this a problem? Kyle, why is it a big deal that we are over busy in our lives? Why is it a big deal that we are constantly in a hurry? The reason is because a lot of good things in life are not compatible with hurry. Joy is not compatible with hurry. Peace is not compatible with hurry. Neither creativity, quality work, you name it. So many good things in this life is not compatible with hurry. But it's a huge deal because much of what being a Christian involves and is all about is not compatible with living in a state of hurry. We think about love. Jesus tells us the most important commandment in all the law, the most important commandment is to love God with basically everything that we have and everything that we are. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And love does not work with hurry. You cannot effectively love someone in the midst of being in a hurry as love is painfully time-consuming. John Mark, I mentioned this in his book, and it holds true for me as well, that my worst moments as a father and a husband and as a pastor uh, come when I am in a hurry, when I'm late for an appointment, when I'm behind on my unrealistic to-do list, when I'm trying to cram too much into my day. I'm then filled with tension and, and anger, and I'm easily set off in, in my life. And if you don't believe me, Next time you're trying to get your family out of the door or your roommate out of the door when you're in a hurry, pay attention to how you relate to them. Are you relating with them in a loving and patient and joyful manner? Or are you relating with them in more of a tense, uh, agitated, and angry way and fashion? And my guess would be it'd be the latter if you're in a hurry. We can't have in a state of hurriness, we cannot have effective spiritual disciplines. You cannot effectively partake in the essential spiritual disciplines in the midst of hurry, including important disciplines like reading your Bible and praying. It can't just be something you quick check off your to-do list. Let me tell you, I've been there before. I've been there a number of times before, but you can't get into the moment. It's not effective when it's just something we check off our to-do list and we are in a hurry. Building relationships is not compatible with being in a hurry. It takes time to build relationships with others. And more importantly, it takes time to develop a relationship with your heavenly father. It is a slow process. It takes time. It's something that cannot be hurried. Dallas Willard, a famous theologian, said, hurry is the great enemy 
of spiritual life in our day. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life in our day. When I think about hurry and being over busy and being busy and this general idea, I find many similarities between sin and being in a hurry and being over busy. When we commit sin, it cuts off our connection to God. And in a very similar uh, situation and stance, when, when we are over busy, that cuts off our connection with God. John Mark mentioned that the greatest problem we'll face in our churches is time. People are simply too busy for God. They're too busy to live a spiritually rich life. And I find this... Uh, like many church, most churches in America, I find this uh, to be so true in our church as well. If, if I can be uh, open and honest uh, with you guys uh, this morning, we're all family here. Uh, we can talk about some of our, our frustrations. One of my, probably my biggest frustration uh, as a pastor these uh, past four years, just in general, it's so hard to accomplish anything as a church because people are too busy. They have other commitments and obligations to tend to. And, and trust me, I'm not picking on you guys this morning. I'm not picking on, on just us as a church because I believe this is an epidemic issue in the church. It's not just us here at North Hills. I'm sure they're struggling with it over at Lawrenceville. I'm sure they're struggling with it over at Troyview. I'm sure the churches in general in America, they are struggling with this as people are too busy. They're too busy, and it's not that we have anything against God, or it's not that we have anything against our church. It's that we are too preoccupied with other things in our life. When I think about the church in America, there, there's a lot of improvement that could be made, but, but I don't necessarily think uh, of the church of America as bad. I think of the church of America, we are more so busy than bad. We're more so distracted than non-spiritual, and we're more so interested in the movie theater, sports stadiums, and the mall, you name it, than we are in church. So I think for, for us as a church in general, the grave danger for many of us is not that we are going to renounce our faith. I, I'm not really too concerned about that with, with anybody in our church family. But I think a, a, a bigger danger for us collectively as a church that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we settle for a mediocre version of our faith. And let me tell you, God doesn't want a mediocre version of your faith. God wants the best in you. God wants all of you. And when we are in a state uh, of hurry when we have too much in our lives. We cannot give God all that we are and all that we have. And so do you guys see why this issue of being over busy is such a big issue? It directly interferes with our lives as Christians. And so how do we know if this is something that we struggle with? 
You know, this is not going to be the case when 100% of us, not 100% of us struggle with this issue of living in a state of hurry and putting too much on our place. But how do we know if we are guilty of this? How do we know if we are over busy in our lives and living in a state of hurry? Uh, John Mark in his book, he lists uh, 10 different symptoms of what he defines as hurry sickness. And if you guys check out the book, you can check out these 10 symptoms. But these 10 symptoms are, we'll just list them uh, real, brief, real briefly. The number one is irritability. Do you get mad, frustrated, or annoyed too easily? Second symptom, hypersensitive. Does all it take is one minor comment to hurt your feelings and put you in an emotional funk the rest of the day or for the next hour, whatever it may be? Restless. When you try to slow down and rest, is it difficult for you in your life? Nonstop activity. Do you not know when to stop? Is accomplishment your driving force and thinking, what am I going to accomplish next? Emotional numbness. Do you struggle to empathize with others? Out of order priorities. Do you feel disconnected from your identity and your calling in your life? Does your schedule not line up with your values in life? Do you have a lack of care for your body? Do you not have time for the basics of maintaining physical health? Or escapist behavior? When you're too tired to do what's actually important in life and what gives your life meaning, do you turn to distraction of choice, whether that be overeating, overdrinking, binge watching, Netflix, whatever, you name it? Are you, do you participate in this escapist behavior? Or the slippage of spiritual disciplines? Do you struggle to maintain spiritual disciplines? And finally, last but certainly not least is the idea of isolation. Do you struggle to, to maintain relationships with others? Do you feel disconnected from others? And more importantly, do you feel disconnected from God? Do you feel isolated from your heavenly father, from your creator? These are all symptoms that you may be over busy in your life. So I encourage you to honestly self-evaluate yourself. Do you exhibit any of these symptoms? Some of, some of you guys, when we talk about being over busy and constantly being in a hurry, you, some of you guys, like right away, yeah, that's me. Uh, I, know, I know that is me. Some of you guys may not be too sure. And hopefully these symptoms help give you clarity. Is this something that you struggle with in your life? Do you score a six, a seven, eight, nine, or even a perfect 10 out of 10 out of these symptoms? Uh, I'll tell you uh, guys uh, right now, this, this self-evaluation for me uh, was very condemning and very convicting. I scored about a seven or an eight. I'm, I'm not scared uh, to share that with you guys. About seven or eight of these uh, different symptoms I find in my life as well. And uh, that that's painful uh, to come away with that uh, realization. That's something that, that I sincerely struggle with. And uh, if this is something uh, that, that you sincerely struggle with as well, I encourage you to take this topic very seriously. And I encourage you also to check out uh, this book for yourself. It's a Christian perspective on how we can ruthlessly eliminate hurry in our lives. As Dallas Willard said, hurry is a great enemy of our spiritual lives. We, we cannot connect to God on the same level. We have so much going on in our lives and we're constantly living in a state of hurry. And so today, all we did today 
is bringing awareness of this issue of being over busy. And some of you guys are probably feeling awfully convicted right now and thinking, yeah, this describes me to a T and you want a solution. And today you're not going to get that. I'm sorry, you're not going to get that uh, solution today. And and the coming weeks of these next five weeks, we're going to take a look at how do we manage this issue? How do we solve this issue of being over busy in our life? Because hopefully we have effectively demonstrated this morning that being over busy is a huge issue. It is not something that we can gloss over. It is the great enemy of our spiritual lives. And so these next five weeks, we're going to break down uh, much of what uh, John Mark uh, talks about in his book and uh, talking about how we solve this issue of ruthlessly eliminating hurry in our lives. We have to be a church that seeks God's kingdom first and foremost. This issue of being over busy in a constant state of hurry is a major, major roadblock to seeking God's kingdom first and foremost. I think of the Psalm of David, Psalm 16, 8, which reads, I have set the Lord always before me. That one struck me on my retreat as I think about all those little moments I have in my day. I'm not seeking the Lord. I'm consuming material on my phone. This is just one example. But what would it be like to be a church filled with people who have set the Lord always before me in all of those small, precious moments throughout our day? That is a church that I want to be. That is a church that God will work wonders and miracles through. So as we close the service uh, this morning, we'll partake of communion together. This bread and this cup, this represents the body and the blood of Jesus being spilt on behalf of each and every one of us. When I think about Jesus setting down with his disciples his last night before his crucifixion, He celebrated uh, the Lord's Supper. He informed them that that this bread that you partake, this represents my body being broken for you. Then he later said this cup uh, represents the new covenant and this blood that that is spilt on behalf for you all as well. But do you know what Jesus did after celebrating the Lord's Supper? You know, many times people may ask, if you knew that you were going to live one more day, what would you do with that last day? I'll tell you what our Lord and Savior Jesus did on his last day before his crucifixion. He slowed down, he got away from the world, and he went to the garden to pray and to seek his heavenly father one-on-one. And today, as we partake of communion and reflect on the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I also want to reflect uh, on the value that Jesus put on slowing down, stopping every now and then, finding an isolated place to seek God first and foremost. And it's through this cup, it's through this bread, where we can directly access the throne of God in our time of prayer. What a powerful resource that is 
that you and I share together as a church. So let's go ahead and let's pray over the bread. Father, we love you. Father, we give you all of the glory and the honor and the praise. So Father, I just pray that we together as a church, as we reflect on the sacrifice of your son, I pray that we can embody his lifestyle in our lives as well. So Father, we just thank you for this ultimate gift of love, the gift of eternal salvation made possible through your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Partake of the bread together. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for this cup. We thank you that you are willing and able and wanting to have your son, Jesus, his precious blood spilt on behalf of each and every one of us. So Father, I just pray that again, we follow the example that your son has set before us. We love you so much. It's in Christ's precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the cup together. Father, you are good, you are great, you are kind, you are gracious, you are merciful. Father, I thank you for the wonderful privilege and honor it is to be able to directly access your throne. And Father, I pray that everybody within this room, I pray that we solve this issue of being over busy in our lives, living in a state of hurry, and we can just get away from the world, follow the example of your son in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so, Father, we love you. We thank you. We look forward to your coming kingdom. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name that we pray. Amen. As we close our story, or as we close our service today, it is a story. Kyle tells us a story each Sunday. If you would stand and sing with us, build my life. breath. 